Welcome to episode two of While You're Away. Uh, if it's the first time you're listening, the concept is pretty simple. Um, I spend a whole lot of time on Twitter, so I see things that I find interesting, uh, threads or individual tweets that did well, and reach out to the people that created those tweets to talk about the inspiration behind them and just dig deeper on on those concepts. Uh, this week, we've got Dave Klein, a former Bridgewater and Moody's alumni, now owner of skillscouter.com, and uh, currently teaching a management accelerator course on Maven. Uh, welcome, Dave. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. This is going to be great. Um, the You, you the, forgot to say Twitter, leadership, management, Guru Dave Klein, <laughs> yeah, which I think true. is appropriate to gloss him with at this point. <laughs> Very oh, man, true. I, I don't, I don't know if I, I've achieved guru status. Just uh, <laughs> you know, basically taking a catalog of two decades of mistakes and then trying to help a few people uh, avoid avoid them making them themselves. Yeah. The um, so the thread you wrote this week that caught my eye, or early last week, yeah, it was a couple of days ago, so it was this week, um, was just about negotiating employee compensation, um, you know, how to get a raise, how to get paid what you're worth. And I thought it was a pretty timely piece, uh, given the inflation numbers that came out this week um, that I'm sure we're all aware of. Um, a few points uh, I thought would be interesting to hit on, and then I'll, I'll let you guys, I'll let you run with it. Um, Within the thread, you you had one portion that talked about, you know, how a lot of people are reluctant to ask for more compensation, either because they're they're humble and they don't want to rock the boat, or because they're prideful and they think, man, I'm just going to keep my head down, nose to the grindstone, and uh, somebody will notice eventually. Um, so I thought that was one we could dig into uh, the logic versus emotion play, um, I think is an interesting one to talk about from the standpoint of, you know, give give reasons that you deserve more compensation that are rooted in fact and data and results rather than uh, I just feel like I need more. Um, and then the last one, I think uh, uh, David Morris will be um, happy to chime in on is we wanted to get your perspective on uh, how do you look at this from from the business side of things. Uh, if if you're the owner of a small business or you're running a small business and you've gone through the last year and a half of you know decreased revenues, um, employee you know, labor shortages, um, supply chain nightmares where you're struggling to get product and the product you can get. Uh, the price has increased. Um, if if an employee comes to you and says, uh, uses these tactics to say, hey, I need a raise, I want more money. Um, what do you do in the situation where uh, maybe there's not money to give? Uh, you know, where does it come from? So yeah. I'll, I'll shut up for a second. We can start. I'll jump back to the top. Um, the first one was, you know, just the humble versus prideful, um, the two reasons, you know, that people tend to, to not ask. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I've gotten this, you know, for better or worse, I've seen this for two decades now, right, at different companies. And like, let's just take them one at a time. Like, I think the, you know, for the folks who are, they're exceptionally humble, right? They, they don't want to, they don't want to put their manager out. They feel like their job is to, you know, solve problems and do great work. And, you know, the, the reality is like when I'm coaching people, whether it's to, you know, whether it is to do this, which is like go and advocate for what you've earned or whether it's just to like go through the journey of becoming better so you can get bigger roles and take it on, you know, there's the work and then there's the marketing, you know, and for better or worse, you have to do both, you know? So if you are, you know, seen as someone who's not organized and you're going to go through an effort to level up by becoming more organized, if you just simply go and get more organized and no one knows about it, like you're, that's not going to like pay off. And so in the same way here, you sort of have to like not only do the work, but you sort of have to do the marketing side of it. Right. And so you sort of have to get over being humble because while you're there sitting quietly and hope, hoping that people will notice you, other people aren't doing that. Um, other people are advocating for themselves. And so, you know, that manager only can take in so many you have so many stimulus, so many pieces of information. And for better or worse, a lot of the, the cognitive biases that come up on Twitter all the time are, are working against you. And so you, you have to go own that. To, and I think, really... I, yeah, sorry, not to cut you off, Dave, but I, you yeah. know, I think it, this is a very interesting point. And I think uh, as an operator of a business and then, I, you know, I've had a career uh, managing people in various types of organizations. I, I think the the one piece of that that is incredibly important that you touched on is the uh, people that are doing great work. You know, so one of the things that's most off-putting, so, so it, I've just seen, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you often find people that are great marketers of themselves, uh, but don't back it up with their work. Or you find people who are great workers and don't market themselves at all. Or, you know, it's kind of what you said. Uh, they're hoping to get discovered. And, and then sometimes if, if it goes long enough and they're not discovered, then they kind of transition over into a little disgruntled that, hey, I'm doing all this work and putting my head down. And the guy who sits next to me or the girl who sits next to me uh, is you know, not nearly, you know, it's kind of half the employee that I am. And yet they seem to be getting more because they're, they're asking for it. And so, so that, you know, having both sides of that from a, from a leadership level, looking down, I have people that come to me and talk about making more money. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I'm trying to decide whether or not I keep you. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got the other side where I've got people that, that I'm actively trying to think about whether they say it or not, ask for it or not. Uh, I have this awareness of I it's on me to recognize their contribution uh, in multiple ways, one of which is compensation. And so that so I'd be curious just to, that was a, a long way to get to a question of saying, um, how would you advise people with regard to striking that balance? Um, great work and, and, and self-promotion, right? Yeah. Well, I don't, um, I actually don't know if it's a balance as much as it is. Like, I think it's like an equation like that you just said, which is you need both. Like I wrote this 
and definitely um, a, a constraint or an assumption through the entire thing is like, you're doing good work. Like you're adding value. Ideally, you are exceeding expectations. You're delivering more value than you're worth. Because like you said, you're, you're a business owner and this is a lot of business owner owners perspective, which is like, you need people to generate more value than you pay them. If that doesn't work out, then you don't have a profitable company and then they don't even have a job, right? And so the first thing in my mind is you have to go be great. Um, then once you've been great though, a lot of times I'll hear people will say, um, and you could see it in a lot of the comments on the thread, people will be like, but I shouldn't have to do this. This, this isn't the way the system should work. Um, and I mostly my, mostly my response is like, you know, like tough shit. Like this is how the system actually works. And so right. you can wish, you can wish it away, but, or you can know how the game is played and then go play it really well, you know? And so do the great work and then advocate. And then I find, and it'd be curious to get your perspective, David, in the business owner's shoes, like for me as a manager, the, the best way I saw people play this was to sit down with me, you know, a year in advance and say like, here's what I'm looking at. I, I want to grow. I want, I want to be paid 25% more or 50% more. I like, what, what does it take? You know, like that is my target. What, what are the ways that I can add the more value that makes that an easy decision for you to make? And we sort of map that out and agree to it and get there. And so like, I think with a small business, I would imagine, at least this is what I've seen so far, is like, if they're actually generating that value, it gives you the capability to then turn around and compensate them more. And so it just becomes this like very virtuous cycle. Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. It, it, um, what you're describing is, is kind of uh, a little more in the self-fulfilling prophecy category, right? Because it, as, a, as a leader of a business, if you've got people coming to you having those types of conversations, what do I need to do in the next year to be this much more valuable to you? Uh, let's let's put the path together. Well, there's almost this natural affinity that you develop for anybody who's thinking like that, right? Uh, if if you're approaching it from a uh, add value to the business, then business is able to uh, compensate me in a better way for that. Well, man, you just want to hug. Uh, all of those people and have you know a hundred of them working for you uh, right so so i I think that part and i I think what you said that uh, I cannot agree with any more than I do is first be great, and I think that's one of the things that's been lost a little bit on people is uh, is there is kind of a sense that by showing up uh, regularly and doing the basics of what's required for me that 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 earns something for me right i kind of i'm kind of owed some some raises and recognition and uh, i tell this story often i had an employee who worked for me who was perpetually late uh and i said man i you know i mean i addressed this over the course of time and and in in this context being on time actually mattered so it wasn't just kind of a hey you know fuzzy office thing. So we were at the time I was running a learning and development department. So we would have classes starting that he would be late to, that he'd be responsible for. And so I, I talked to him, and I finally got to the point where I just said, "Man, if you can't figure out how to get here on time, I'm going to have to find somebody else who can." And so, uh, so he started showing up on time. And after about two weeks of showing up on time, he came into my office. Uh, and said, man, have you noticed I've been on time every day for the last two weeks? 
And I just said, man, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but are you wanting me to congratulate you for that? Because that's the most basic function of any job. There's almost no jobs in the world where you just get to show up when you want to every day. Uh, and, and so, uh, I think that that piece of the of the equation, be great, do the little things well, then that gives you a platform for going to your whoever's managing you or is above you saying, here's where I want to go. Then those people become your advocates. Right. They they want to they want to help you and and they want to make that happen Two, one. um, I have heard that. I have heard that story. I'm around David quite a bit, but I love that story. Um, just to expand on it a little bit, I have, um, I've had people come to me and be like, you know, if you give me more money, I'll do this. If you give me more money, I'll start, I'll, I'll start doing this better or I'll do this more. And that always has hit me wrong as like, okay, so how I hear that is, you've been capable of doing more. You've just been sandbagging. You haven't been working as hard as you could have or doing as good a job as you could have. And man, I was always raised, you know, do the absolute best you can do. And that I would probably fall more in the camp of the, the prideful merit based where I, I've always looked at it like, you know, keep my head down, do the best job I can do, and someone will notice because um, I'm so averse to the uh, – I'm not doing everything I could do, but if you pay me more magically, I'll become a better employee. Um, just I'm with you, Blake. <laughs> uh, I, I'm with you there. But, you know, I think that's a place where the data side comes in for the prideful people. Right. Where you're like, look, I just want to I want to do my work and be rewarded for it. And, you know, one of the things you can do is like because if you're like me, you're like, well, it's a, if I'm going and asking for more, it's an emotional thing, you know, and I'm you know, you should have just recognized my work. But I think one of the ways you can get over that is to grab the data. Right. As you go and say, OK, I am doing this extra work. I am clearing the hurdle. David and I were talking about about doing great work. Let me go into the world and understand, like, what do people who do, you know, what I do well, like, what do they get paid, you know? And now it's not about, now it's not becoming about me in that conversation, which I think usually makes the prideful people a bit uncomfortable and just becomes much more about the context, right? It just becomes like the band, you know, like if you're like, let's just say something really practical. Like if you're a truck driver, right? Last week, Walmart, I think moved the truck drivers pay from 80,000 to 110,000. So if you're a prideful, good, right. So if you're a good prideful truck driver at another company right now, the market just moved like, and you know, I don't, my guess is 99% of the trucking companies right now, a saw that news and B aren't super interested in going out and proactively, um, you know, giving everybody 30 grand more. Right. Right. But I think you're, but you know, you're not going and saying like, this is about me. You're going and saying, this is now about the market. Like the data that the world has changed. Life is getting more expensive. I'm good at what I do. It's going to cost you even more to go get another me. Yeah. Um, That ties in, that ties in well to the, I think the, I think the last tweet in your thread was 
was in relation to when you have another offer. So let's say you're one of those truck drivers and Walmart comes to you and makes you this $30,000 a year better offer. Um, man, I couldn't, I resonated quite a bit with your point of, you know, the risky move is just walk into your boss and say, hey, I've got another offer that pays more. Uh, you better match it or I'm gone. Um, I, I think David can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say both of us fall pretty, pretty squarely in the category of if you just walk in and say, uh, pay somewhere else is offering me $30,000 more a year, uh, we'll probably do exactly what your tweet said and say, man, uh, sounds like a hell of an offer. I'd take it if I were you. Um, ha have a great life. Um, wish you well. Um, the the better move, as you had listed, is is exactly the right approach, is to, to walk in and say, man, uh, I've seen the market has shifted. Um, this place reached out to me. I love working here. I don't really want to take this. Um, I'm not... I'd love to stay here. So um, with that being said, and I'm going to plan to stay here, what's my trajectory look like here? What what do you need from me? What do I need to move the needle here to? And man, as a as a boss, that's a that's an entirely different conversation than if you don't pay me more, I'm leaving. Um, yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, I think the. Um, man, and maybe I am jaded. I've been managing people for a lot of years in a lot of different contexts. Uh, uh, I've never had a good employee who I thought was super valuable, who I wanted to do anything I could to keep, who came in and demanded to be paid more. It's almost always, there is a uh, often a lack of kind of self-awareness uh, with the folks who are willing to do that that uh, <laughs> that very often, if that person comes in and sort of says, well, if you want to keep me, then you're going to have to pay me more, that uh, that's almost always I'm trying to kind of go through my my uh, my map and my brain of employees that I've had and conversations like that that I've been through over the years. Uh, I've never had somebody do that who I said, oh, no, uh, I can't afford to lose this person. And so that's a, another interesting dynamic. That, that's why, you know, back where we started, uh, when people are great at what they do and they're focused on adding value to the business, uh, they do have a lot more options and a lot more ability and flexibility to have these types of conversations with their, with their manager. And uh, there's just uh, everything in life uh, hinges on your credibility and so I, I think that's one thing that I always encourage people to think about just from a broad career perspective is that you're building either credibility for asking for something, uh, you know, whether that's a promotion, a raise, a new responsibility, uh, a, a removal of a responsibility that's that's too much for you or is a bad fit. You know, any of those moves that you need to make uh, in the workplace uh What's being considered by the person you're talking to is the entirety of your body of work, not just the actual tactical tasks and projects that you're assigned to complete, but the fullness of who you are as an employee, your fit on the team, your sense of, of a 
commitment to the organization, like all these things are coming into play in that moment. And so that's why I did not start doing sales until a few years ago. Uh, once I started uh, formally being involved in sales, the the thing I've started telling my own children is your first job needs to be a sales job because you need to understand the process of what it's like to try to sell a, a product or a service or an idea to someone because, because then what you begin to understand when you unpack the dynamic of making a sale or having a sales conversation with somebody is that there's a whole lot more going on than just, Hey, I have this widget. Uh, you have a need for this widget. Do you want to buy it? There's uh, there's all the, whoever you're selling to all the interactions they've had with the salesperson and sort of the body of work of that, whatever they know about your company, their perception of you in that moment. So there's all these other dynamics that, uh, is so helpful to become aware of so that you can have a more effective conversation. And once you know that, that's really all, all we're talking about on the kind of the marketing side is, can you go and, and sell uh, your raise promotion or whatever to the person that you have to go sell it to in your organization? And so there's just a tremendous value in understanding the dynamics of that, because I think, uh, people are often sort of blunt instruments when it comes to asking for this kind of stuff. And, um, and, and that sets them at a disadvantage for getting what they want. Yeah. I think you, I think you hit two pieces that I would just like underscore really quickly. Um, I think one, you call it like the totality of the package and that, you know, I'm with you as a manager, as a leader, as an owner, like you are, you are being judged at the sum of like every choice, every decision, every behavior, et cetera. You know what I mean? It's not just like during work hours and doing the literal task, but it's the, like you said, it's the interactions. It's the stuff outside of work. It's where you went above and beyond. It's, you know, the groups you led and where you were proactive. And so, you know, people have to realize that that is, they don't actually get time off and like bogeys and do-overs like you're you're gonna that's gonna add up and so you just want to show up you want to kind of show up right and big every single day and that's one of the paths to being you'll, you'll outrun 95 percent of people just by being like consistent reliable and dependable um you know like i think that's huge and then the other one uh, you kind of with you the marketing angle you know if you sometimes i'll coach people to like almost like think of themselves like a product you know, and, and partly the thing you were saying, David, is, you know, the, the further you get from being a commodity, the more leverage you're going to have in any conversation, either with your company or with another company, right? That if you are in some ways uniquely differentiated, right, that might be you put together a, a subset of skills that are different than other people, or you're bringing an angle into the organization that is truly unique you know, or you have actually stayed with a company longer than anybody. And so you're the curator of the history and the, and you pass on the mythology. Like you're the, there's lots of different ways that you can become like almost like a monopoly of one. And as you and I both know, like the more differentiated and value add the product you're selling is the easier the sale, right? So when you're selling Google ads and they have 90% of the market and people who run them almost always make money, you know, 
my wife worked at Google for two years selling Google ads to big financial services firms. Like it wasn't very hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> she'll say it. She's like, it was great. They would go in and say, I work at Google. Do you want to buy ads? And people would say, you bet I do. Where um, do I sign? Yeah. Right. You know, and so like, but if you kind of hold that in your head and say like, how do I become that differentiated and that good, then, you know, then you can have these conversations. And like you said, in a pretty, like partner oriented, honest way. And if that company doesn't want you, then like, that's great. Like you're super valuable and take your, you know, take your business elsewhere. Um, so I, anyways, I just wanted to underscore, I thought, I thought you said it really well, like just how important it is to think of, think of the dimensions of, of your interactions and of the capabilities you bring as like a, what it is your marketing. Yeah. And I think it, it sparks another, thought for me, I'd be curious to, to hear what you think about is um, I, I am a pretty firm believer that uh, not only is it a body of work for you, but that the company that you work for has a body of work and, and you have to feel like you're a good fit for the place where you are. Uh, salary is obviously a component of that, but if you're just working someplace because of the wage they pay you, uh, in most cases, that's not a recipe for success on either side for for the organization or for the individual. And so I'm just wondering your perspective on the dynamics of kind of fit for where you are and how you account for that uh, in kind of into your sort of total package that all that one component of is compensation. Yeah, look, I think each like each person is going to almost like have their own dials, right? Like that based on their circumstances, based on their preferences, their mindsets, their biases, et cetera, they're gonna, between call it compensation, fit, mission, growth, you know, they're gonna almost have their own set of dials and they're gonna turn them differently, right? Like if you are, you know, struggling to just put food on the table or pay your debts, like the, you know, a dollar shift, in an hourly wage is a big deal. You know, if you are, you know, further down, you know, you might actually be in a very different financial circumstance, in which case then mission or growth might become much higher on your dials. And so, um, but I think you're right that in general, any, any sort of setup where the only dial that's turned is money uh, is probably going to be tenuous at best, right? Because um, people will eventually, you know, get to a place where you sort of need to have more things. You need to have fulfillment. You need to have growth and challenge. You sort of, you're spending more time at work typically than you are with your family. And so you sort of want to like the people, you know, you right. want to engage with your colleagues. You want to have a boss who isn't toxic. Yeah. Right. And, yep. you know, and so I do think that those, um, those have to be considerations both on both sides of the equation, as you said, I think the, um, you know, the thing that I do see though is people, it's sort of tricky, I think, for the three of us to be talking about it, because my sense based on you know the conversations we've had in the past and things we all write is we're we're pretty conscientious and intentional managers and leaders. Um, and what I've come to find is we might be in the, the exception, not the rule. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, and that other organizations and maybe not from a malicious place, but people either just might not they might not have been trained in that particular way. They might not. Um, they might be too busy to have really put thought into these types of things. And so, you know, the need to 
if the if the compensation dial gets out of whack, which is easy, especially you know, like we started this with the inflation point that Blake made, and you know, it's easy right now to look up and all of a sudden, you know, hey, I got a three percent raise, but it's been two years of you know seven, eight, ten percent inflation, and you're you're effectively twenty percent behind just treading water. Um, again, it might not be malicious, and it might be an interesting place to dive into. I think one of Blake's original questions on how do we, you know. How do you deal with that when you're stuck on both sides of the equation? Like you have people who need to get right. paid more, but your company can't afford it. Um, yeah, that that's what I was going to jump in and say is kind of the last last question as we're running up against time. Um, is that question of man, if if you're on the other side of the equation and you're the business and you've been struggling with, you know, decreased revenues, less orders, like you know, we work especially in the energy sector, you know, it's been down for the last year, year and a half. And as a lot of industries were affected by COVID, um, you know, but revenues are down, supply chain's a mess, price of raw materials has gone through the roof for a lot of people. Shipping costs are insane. Um, You know, what do you do when the employee does all the right things comes to you with the correct approach and there's just the money's just not there to give um i i'll give you my sense i'd love to get davis too i it's such a conundrum but i think that you end up having to make really some really tough decisions like i i'll give an extreme example of it like if you are um An extreme example would be you're going to have to fire a couple low performers to pay your high performers better. You know, that I think it's true of most industries. Maybe it might be different in yours, but at least the three or four that I've been in, the top performers are worth three, four, five X, the low performers. And so if my choice is to sort of like stand put, the first people out the door typically are the highest performers because they have the most kind of fluid job market. Yeah, so, they have the most opportunity. Coming. Right. Everyone else sees that they're the high performers. Right. And so, you know, you sort of get you get stuck, but that's that that paralysis can be like a very slippery slope to mediocrity, right? Because you start to lose your top performers. Now you're having even less output. So you're, going to, you're going to put more strain and pressure on your lower performers. Now they feel even more underappreciated. And you sort of like you eat from the top versus the top decision might be to say, hey, I've got. I've got a hundred workers and I'd be better off keeping 95 um, and knowing that their, you know, their outperformance, their creativity, their ingenuity, their commitment. Um, I'm better off rewarding that and keeping them you know, in place and pacing with the market and solving this problem. than I am losing the top five and kind of going the other direction. So, you know, I've seen, I've actually, I've been now, I think, through two or three economic cycles across a few companies, and we've had to make that call. I've had to at least make that call twice now. It sucks. It's like not a fun call to make, um, you know. And that obviously presumes you've already started to like trim down money in non-compensation areas, right? Like you've kind of cut all the expenses you can find elsewhere. But increasingly, so many of our so many of our businesses are just talent. You know what I mean? Like, and if you've taken the time to accumulate great talent the last thing you want to be doing is in a downturn, shedding the, shedding the best people you need to get you out of it. And I think, uh, I think it depends a little bit too on the business context that you're in. So 
if you are in yeah. what would be considered more of a kind of traditionally like trades or blue collar type work environment, then to a certain extent, uh, there is a requirement for for people, like you know, for just raw uh, manpower. And so it, the uh, I agree with you completely with what you're saying in terms of, you know, the highest performers are definitely worth significantly more than the lowest performers. Uh, however, in a, uh, and I certainly believe that in a technology space and a, in an information based space, uh, that gap uh, narrows a little bit, the more uh, kind of hands-on and trade-based work that you're doing. So, you know, somebody may, you, your best person, out working uh, on a project in the field, uh, they they're better, they're faster, but uh, they also have to have that other person there with them for one reason or another, and so it's uh, it is a little bit more challenging. The lines aren't as clear. The more sort of dirty the hands are uh, throughout the workday, you know, if you if you're wearing steel-toed boots uh, to work during the day, that that does make those dynamics uh, a little bit more challenging. And so, um, so it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a conundrum for a business because, uh, you know, I'll tell you uh, as somebody running a business that is in that space, uh, I do literally lay awake at night worried about, okay, man, I know this person is deserving of a raise. It's been a while. I need to keep them um, okay, what can I do? What's the impact of that? You know, I've got a perspective on, you know, I know I've got offices spread out around the country. I know, well, this region is performing poorly right now because of market dynamics there, but this person leading that region is really great. I need to, you know, I need to invest in them, but to a certain extent, it doesn't make any you know, logical business sense to invest in them because the market around them doesn't support it. And, you know, so there's just, all this, uh, all these uh, uh, tricky dynamics. I think, especially too, the smaller the business is, uh, the more two things are a reality. One, uh, your relationships with people are more personal, just by nature of there's fewer of them, so you get to know them better, and so you see the impact on all their lives a little bit more than when the company's a little bit more of a corporate machine. And then the other thing too is that uh, you have a lot more what I would. Uh, considered to be sort of unintended consequences, the smaller the organization is on moves that you make, whether that's comping somebody more or, um, you know, not or promoting somebody and not promoting someone. So those, those, I think just because the pond is so much smaller, every fish in the pond sees the impact of what happens to the other fish a lot more. So I know, I know we're over time, but man, I could talk about that all day. Cause that's a, that's a fascinating thing for me. And if you're if you're trying to be thoughtful and engaged with how you're leading your employees and how you're managing all of that, then uh, it is incredibly tricky to sort of walk, kind of step your way through that uh, because you see all of the impacts going on, you know, on all sides of the business uh, that is different than just the way the individual sees it. Cause in most cases uh, the people that are working for you, uh, no fault of theirs, but they really only see what's immediately in the view of their world. And they don't get all of the picture of, if I do that here, here's the impact over here. 
So I'm, I'm continually wrestling with that concept. Have you, um, I, I don't know how well this applies, but I, I imagine that if you were to able to balance two things, one being, you know, when you're, if you're, if you're sharing the ups and sharing the downs, I mean, I guess the good news is when it's an industry down, you know, the, like you said, the, everyone's sort of feeling the same dynamic. And so if it's a services-based business, you know, they're going through the same pressure to have the people, but they're also, you know, they're also feeling the pressure from the market that might be hurting the supply chain or hurting the market. And so I'd imagine you get reasonable loyalty with, from folks, as long as it, you're not just asking them to sacrifice on the downside, but you're also sharing in the upside. Um, then the other thing that came to mind that worked well for us, so I don't know if it worked as well, but we were pretty transparent about the dynamics you're describing. You know, like we tried to make our compensation, this was mostly at Bridgewater, but like make the compensation setting process, uh, not people's literal comp, but the, the how we thought about it, how we came up with pay bands, how we put people into pay bands, who we triangulated it with, et cetera. We tried to, you know, the dynamics of the market, how the fund did, all of that stuff, we tried to make pretty transparent to everybody. So at least um, they could see that we were taking an intentional, thoughtful approach to dealing with, like you said, all those different dynamics because that equation is constantly changing. And there's no reason that they would have access nor have thought about all those dynamics. But the more that we treated them sort of like owners, they were able to then like understand why we had arrived at a conclusion. They didn't, I mean, obviously if that meant not getting paid more this year, like no one was necessarily excited about it, but at least they understood. Um, you know, I don't know if like a, some, some version of that could work even yeah. in these types of organizations, almost playing to the fact that it is smaller and more intimate um, might play well. Yeah. And, and it's, it's absolutely, you know, just an interesting dynamic. I was just thinking about while you were saying that, um, you know, part of the challenge is uh, most people that work for a business have never run a business. And then so therefore just just don't know uh, how all the dynamics behind the scenes operate. So, you know, I'll, I'll just give you an example from from our business. You go through a, a, a COVID type period where business falls off. Well, you spend down your cash reserves, uh, keeping people employed. And that puts your business in a tenuous position because you used to have a bunch of cash in the bank and now you're watching your, your cash balance go down, you know, week by week, month by month. Well, then the market improves and all of a sudden you're really busy again. And so the, the, the first thing that people start to think about is, well, uh, look at all this work we're doing. We must be making a bunch of money. Uh, what they don't understand is, um, yeah, the business is improving, but, but it was, it was so battered through, you know, through 12, 15, 18 months that, um, you know, right now we're just like, we're trying to replace windows, not, not remodel the whole, the whole place. And so, so I think, I think some of those dynamics are just part of the ongoing challenge of, uh, trying to educate people, um, and and this is where I, I also come back to and I'll I will uh, this will be my closing thought. Uh, trust is everything, because if your people trust you as a leader of a business, then when you say, man, um, here's where the business is right now. Yes, we're busy. Yes, things are improving. But uh, then then that is a that is a uh, 
a believable, acceptable position for you to take and talk through with people. If your people don't trust you, that's that conversation is disenfranchising to them. And so, uh, so in my mind, that's, that's really what it all comes back to, regardless of if you're leading a team in a huge corporation or you're leading a, a business in a small company, you know, the leader of the whole thing in a small company, uh, that's those dynamics of trust, um, not so much from the leader down, but from the people underneath them up is, I think, one of the most critical differentiators in how all this stuff plays out in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a, you know, I think that's a great point to end on is to, to summer it, to summarize, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, as an employee, uh, do great work. Uh, if you do that and then are, are lucky enough or fortunate enough to work for an organization that you trust the leadership you work for, um, then you can go have a, a results base or a database conversation about, man, here's the great work I've been doing and then trust that they will, that they'll react accordingly. And if they can't react, um, one thing my dad told me when I was younger in my career and complaining about not getting paid this or that, um, he always, he used to tell me, he said, man, um, if you do what you're supposed to do, do good work um, and you work for good people, um, things may not always happen in the time frame uh, you want them to happen, but generally they'll happen. Um, so just, you know, keep doing what you're supposed to do. Make it known um, that you're interested in upward trajectory and, and the results. The results will usually take care of themselves. Um, that's all I got for today. Anything else, Dave? Appreciate you coming on. No, I appreciate you having me. Your dad sounds like a wise man. Uh, a lot smarter than me. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> but all right. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks, guys. Great talking. Likewise. Thanks, Ed.